Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect Bill. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your second place Miami Dolphins 4 and 3, now part of the Fanatics Network. I am Sam Marku and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Christopher Colin. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, Sam, I'm actually kind of upset. You why? know why? Well, I mean, we we got our asses kicked, right? That's what uh that's what Doc Holliday said it's gonna happen. Oh wait, no sir. We kicked that ass boy four and three. Jared Goff, you look like a minor league player. Let's go. Fins up. Fins up four and three. The Miami Dolphins not only beat the Los Angeles Rams, but they smashed them, if I could steal a word from Doc Holliday. Uh special shout out to Doc Holliday. I mean, yes, he got the prediction wrong, but did he, Chris? Because we established last week with Doc Holliday, that he is Jinx. the Sam Marku of his own podcast over there on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, he even said it. Every time he talks shit about somebody, they turn out to do the exact opposite. And he said that the uh, Los Angeles Rams are going to beat the Miami Dolphins 31-17. In fact, they lost to the Miami Dolphins 28-17. So he got the 17 right, but everything else was just in reverse order there, Chris. And in fact, uh, shout out to Doc Holliday. Go check out his podcast, Ramblings, with uh, Isaac Bruce, because uh, he texted me after the game, and it was just one word, Chris, and it was just, damn. And... Uh, <laughs> And he admitted that on his Friday podcast with Isaac Bruce, he was talking trash about none other than who? Andrew Van Ginkle. No way. So, no, he was. He said he was making fun of his name, that he was trashing this guy. He was just like, who is this guy? You know, he's just some, you know, nobody that what's he really going to do against the Los Angeles Rams high octane offense? And wouldn't you know what if Andrew Van Ginkle was basically the player of the game? And uh, he, he look, Doc Holiday, shout out to you. Salute you, man. He 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 copped to it, Chris. He said, look, I, I talked trash about the guy and he came out and just, you know, shoved it right down my throat. Oh, he, he shoved it right down the entire organization's throat with that stupid score. I mean, this guy looked incredible. Um, what, a, what a hit by Manuel Agba. Uh, the ball, uh, Goff doesn't even see him. Flores with an incredible defensive call. Uh, same thing that stopped the Rams in the Super Bowl, that zero defense, no safety over the top, um, and, and put numbers out there. There's more guys rushing than you have blockers. And we just got after Jared Goff and good, good on uh, Van Noy and Van Ginkle, the Van brothers, both with scoops and almost scores. Van Noy, God, I'll give you, I'll give you a seven out of 10 on that one. Cause man, you came so close. Good moves though. But Van Ginkle scoop and he was gone. Uh, what, what an amazing day. And of course that's hilarious. A doc is the ultimate Sam of his own show. Uh, and, and it worked in our favor. He, he didn't want to diss Tua. How about that too? He didn't want to diss Tua and Tua had a bad game, like a yeah. decent average game. This is Van Ginkle and says we're getting killed. Van Ginkle, MVP, we kill him. 
Well, and it was interesting, too, like just looking at the predictions from last week, Chris, you predicted 24-17 for the Miami mm. Dolphins. I predicted 17-14. Mm. So I think you win the prediction of the week because not only did you get the score almost dead on, but you also got who was winning and what. But I will say this, Chris, we know our team. We know our Miami Dolphins because I said, look, this game plan may come down to, uh, you know, to a doing, you know, rollouts, RPOs. But who knows what happens if on the first play of the game, Aaron Donald comes in and smashes him. And if wouldn't you know if the second play of the game, that's exactly what happened. But what did you think of Tua? Like you said, 93 yards passing. He really wasn't the story of the game. He was the story coming into the game and maybe coming out of the game a little bit. But the defense has gotten a lot of run, and rightfully so. Uh, the best scoring defense uh, against defense in the NFL um, currently right here. The defense is getting a lot of publicity this week. We're starting to see ourselves jump up in those power rankings. We have a winning record for the first time in November since I think Dan Marino played. Um, but what did you think of Tua? How do you think he handled the pressure after getting hit by Aaron Donald fumbling like really early in the game? Uh, he only had like 16 snaps, offensive snaps in the first half because of everything that was going on on special teams and defense. Uh, what were your overall impressions of Tua as a starter? He did okay. Um, and you know, it's the best of both worlds uh, because he got to get experience uh, starting against one of the best defenses in the league and we didn't need him to do anything yeah. and we won. So it's, it's the best of both worlds. He got experience and we won uh, and we won handedly and we didn't need him to, to do anything when he did have time. When he did roll out, when he did throw the ball, it looked spectacular. There was times he, he he went to the left on the throw to Malcolm Perry. Uh, it looked like he it was effortless, and it got it hit him in stride on the run. Uh, he's incredible, incredibly talented throwing it on the run. Um, he had a throw across the field uh, left to right uh, as a lefty to Jakeem Grant, who ran a phenomenal hitch route. Uh, and it hit him. In, it, the timing was incredible, uh, which we knew he'd have good timing with Grant couple deep throws, which I think could have been catches. Uh, Preston Williams, I think if he kept running full speed, um, he had an opportunity for a jump ball in the end zone. And then Gusecki, the defender, just uh, is a professional athlete. He made a great play. Uh, hit him in stride as well. Catchable ball. Great throw. Great touch. And the defender just knocked it out. So I think uh, all things considered, um, I, I will mention that I didn't like the way uh, some plays were called. I felt like um, that that sack you talked about in the fumble uh, was just egregious to do that to Tua on his first or second snap to go empty backfield against these guys and um, it not be a quick get out of his hand, quick, fast pass or a rollout, have him drop back in the pocket and just uh, sitting there for dead is like duck hunt out there. Uh, I, I think I thought that was a horrible play call, especially considering it was scripted. Um, but I think we wanted to see more RPOs and more rollouts, but I have a feeling we didn't need to do that and we didn't want to put that on tape. Um, so uh, I, I get that. So I'm not going to really hammer on uh, Changeli too much, but with the throws he made and completed uh, four or five drops, I think uh, not his fault to a, to a played good. He did what we needed to do. Numbers don't look great. Herbert's putting up 300 Burroughs putting up 300 and they're losing to put up 93 and, and we won the game handedly. So I'll, I'll take that any day. Uh, at the end of the day, the one stat that matters is undefeated as the starting quarterback in his rookie <laughs> season so far. Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, th there's a couple things that are concerning. Um, there are a couple things that one of my friends, Jeremy Curry, who's actually going to be on the show here uh, around Hatesgiving, he or actually on the Hatesgiving episode, which is coming up later this month. I'm excited. You're excited. Everyone's excited for Hatesgiving. Um, he had mentioned, he goes, man, Tua looks small out there. And he did. He did look small, especially when you put him up against somebody like Aaron Donald, especially when you have him lined up right behind all those big, massive offensive linemen we have. But you know what? Small quarterbacks uh, aren't the end of the world. Russell, Wil Russell Wilson isn't the biggest quarterback in the world. Steve Young wasn't the biggest quarterback in the world. Kyler Murray, who is on the Arizona Cardinals, who we are going to play this upcoming week. We're going to talk all about the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray in just a little bit with Ed Smith, as well as just Chris and I. Um, 
isn't the biggest guy in the world. You can still be effective. I mean, that, what, what I was looking for, Chris, was that touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. He, he read the defense. He read the call. He knew exactly where he needed to put the ball, and he put the ball exactly where it needed to be in order for Devontae Parker, who took a shot, by the way. Not only did he catch the ball, he got hammered and held onto the ball. So kudos to Devontae Parker for catching the first touchdown pass from uh, Tua Tungavailoa. But it wasn't just that. There was a couple of passes, Chris, where you could just tell he was going to get hit, and he fired that thing out. The release from Tua Tungavailoa to get that ball out and over to the wide receiver was lightning quick, very, very fast. Uh, Preston Williams did not have a good game. I don't know if he just was having a hard time catching that faster ball that was coming from Tua, if there was nerves or what, but there were some very catchable balls that Preston Williams didn't catch. Uh, that ball to Mike Kosicki early in the, what, first or second quarter deep down the sidelines, that was a catchable ball, but the defensive uh, player there did what the defensive player was paid to do. What I was more impressed with was where that ball was placed, Chris. It was placed in a place where if it was going to be caught, it was only going to be Mike Kosicki who caught it. It wasn't going to be picked off. It wasn't like Mike Kosicki had to go out and make a, a highlight reel play that would, you know, only one guy can do. He would he put it in a spot that only Mike Kosicki was going to catch it or it was going to hit the ground. Um, so stuff like that makes me really encouraged to see what Tua can do once he gets more experience and once he starts to learn these defenses and the tendencies and everything else. So uh, I'm encouraged by it. Uh, he got hit. He got up. He didn't have any issues there. He was excited. The players were excited around him. Um, he only played 16 snaps in the first half, Chris. I mean, that's how good the defense was. That's how good Jakeem Grant, I can't believe I said that, and the special teams unit was. Uh, this Miami Dolphins defense is no joke. They are legit, and I think they're finally starting to get the, the, the respect from the rest of the league uh, and the NFL in general. Just in time for Kyler Murray to torture us this weekend. <laughs> like, that's just like par for the course. But no, no, going back to that, you're absolutely right. So here's, here's the thing with Tua is that um, he looked incredible. Physically, those throws, his footwork, getting out of the pocket, his reads. There was never really a throw where you're like, ooh, the guy that could have been picked. Like, there was no, like, issues. He's very protective and good with the ball. Uh, took some unnecessary hits when he ran that one time, took a shot. Don't do that anymore. Please stop. Throw it away. Um, but run when you when you can really know you can get it. Not like one yard. We don't need that, man. Um, but but the thing with, with him is in the throw to Gusecki and, and the throw to Preston Williams deep and the throw to Grant deep is the best part is, is that even if there's going to be days in the future where the defense isn't as dominant as it was against the Rams, Tua is only going to get better. He's only going to get more comfortable. This is the first real game he started since the game that he got injured in college. It's been a year, guys, a year, no preseason, barely any training camp. He went out there and played against Aaron Donald and the fucking Rams, and he he did all right. That's it. That's all you wanted to see. Take take some licks, uh, have some uh, opportunities to throw the ball down the field and comfortably win the game. We couldn't have asked for anything better. We could not have asked for anything better. He did it in the heat, did it against a great defense, and now he's going to play against defenses that aren't as strong as the Rams, and he's going to be more comfortable. His timing is going to get down more, and our defense is going to be right there to help him out. That's all we need. That's all we can ask for. And, Sam, honestly, um, it's early in the season, uh, but but this game against Kyler Murray, we'll, we'll talk about it. It worries me a little bit, of course, because of our record this season against Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. Um, it, it, it worries me. We'll talk about it. But the defense – is coming into his own, and Byron Jones is healthy. Xavier Howard's healthy. We had a bunch of picks. We had to drop pick six. We could have won by even more. Eric Rowe dropped one gift right into his hand. So defense played phenomenally. Uh, Brian Flores is just absolutely all that was marqueed uh, as a defense coordinator for the Patriots, and he's a hell of a head coach. I'm glad we, I'm glad we got him.
Well, I like what you said about the defense getting all this praise just in time for Kyler Murray to come in here and blow it all up because, A, that's typically what happens when the Miami Dolphins start to get universal praise on the national press. All of a sudden, they go out there and just lay a stinker. Uh, and, B, Kyler Murray is one of those mobile quarterbacks that can throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and just ruin our life day in and day out. But we're going to talk, again, all about that, like you said, with Ed Smith, who, by the way, for those that don't know Ed Smith, you now have time to go wiki page this guy. Go, go do some research on Ed Smith NFL, and you'll understand why we're talking to this guy. Not only does he know his stuff when it's talking about Arizona Cardinals uh, he might be the most interesting man in the sports world you're going to learn all about Ed Smith in just a little bit with Chris and myself here in the town of Perfectville but right now we're still basking in the glow Chris we still have that afterglow feel of the Miami Dolphins being four and three the New England Patriots are in our rearview mirror the New England or the New York Jets are in everybody's rearview mirror and all we're looking at right now is how do we get to the Buffalo Bills who once again squeaked by in their win against those New England Patriots Buffalo Bills don't look great the Miami Dolphins are improving and on the incline every single single week um it's it's getting close here chris to where we're gonna have to start looking at the playoff monitors right we're gonna have to start looking at the playoff watch and where the miami dolphins are slotted and i'm um, spoiler alert we're slotted ninth right now because i already looked but it's gonna get to that point here chris we're getting into mid-november we're getting into december where all of a sudden that we're gonna start seeing in the hunt in the hunt five seed six seed eight seed possibly a top four seed if we can overcome uh, the buffalo bills but in order to do that chris we're gonna have to do that with finally and I don't mean this in a good way, uh, some injuries that we're going to have to deal with here. So not only was Tua Tungo-Vailoa part of the story, not only was the defense the major part of the story, but the Miami Dolphins, as per usual, Chris, are in the news for a bunch of different reasons. Number one, the trade deadline happened. Now, one of the most boring trade deadlines in terms of the last 12 to 24 hours ever in the NFL. There were some big trades. They just kind of happened prior to. But the Miami Dolphins were very active on this day. Uh, number one, we said goodbye from Perfectville to Isaiah Ford, who we traded to the Patriots of all teams. Uh, the, the New England Patriots pick up Isaiah Ford. I think this is a good move for Isaiah Ford. I think it's a good move for the New England Patriots. I think it's sad for us because I really liked Isaiah Ford, but he wasn't going to get an yeah. opportunity here with the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins going forward. You have Devontae Parker. You have Preston Williams. Jakeem Grant, I think, has wrestled away that number three uh, wide receiver spot. You've got Mike Kosicki, who's clearly a, a number three option if you want to consider Preston and Devontae one and two. Uh, we, we're pretty much loaded when it comes to uh, options for Tua Tungavailoa, and you still have the draft to get even more options with running back, wide receiver, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I, see, I see Isaiah Ford going away. Uh, as a side note to that, uh, we'll just combine topics here. Ryan Fitzpatrick this week in practice wore tight, tight booty shorts there, Chris. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. being Ryan Fitzpatrick, as he always is, still our quarterback, even if he's not our starting quarterback. He wore those, reports are, he wore those because Isaiah Ford wore his, his uh, same style uniform in practice with the thick thick booty shorts there um ryan fitzpatrick paying homage to a fallen teammate who's now a mortal enemy what do you that's think like about our, that, that, that's like our brian song is it not it really is but uh what do you think of isaiah ford <laughs> going the to the comparison. hated new england patriots <laughs> that's the worst comparison in history brian song uh to uh, him wearing short biker shorts to pay homage to uh isaiah ford i i, I like isaiah ford I, I i hate that we lost him i think he was a very much a a poor man's OJ McDuffie type guy that can make every catch. He's accountable on third down to catch that first down pass. Um, and and I, you hate to lose a guy like that, that you can count on when the injury strikes or COVID strikes uh, where we are. 
but the team obviously felt Kirk Merritt and the practice squad. We just uh, most likely are activating Antonio Callaway, who just um, finished out his suspension, who was very good in the University of Florida and good with the Browns until uh, some off-field issues. So hence the suspension. So if we're bringing that talent in with Jakeem Grant playing well and having a chemistry with Tua, um, Isaiah was uh, expendable. And, and the, the, the worst part to me is out of 31 other teams, the only team you can find to give you a 2021 seventh round pick is the new England Patriots. Really? Like we talk about this and we'll talk about this later in the show with our guest, Sam. Um, <laughs> how many times are we going to set up on the tee with a nice little neck crack and a driver to crush us? a guy to get revenge against us. And we're going to send them to a team. We play twice a year who are just desperate for wide receiver help. Julian Edelman out for weeks. Nikhil Harry doing nothing for the Patriots. I think one receiver has one touchdown um, all season for new England Patriots. Unless that change against the bills, Cam Newton. Here's Isaiah Ford, a guy that you can count on a guy that you can throw on third and five. Here's a guy that's going to make every catch. We just gave him to them. Our division rival, a game or two back behind us. For a 2021 seventh round pick, Sam, this is not good. I'd rather cut him and let him go sign with the Seahawks. Why are we trading this guy to New England? I don't get it. Well, and, and that's the thing that I think uh, I was going to ask you was, would it have been better to just say, look, we, we don't have a spot for you. We like you. We want you to go pick your own. It, it, look, he could have signed on with the 49ers. Like, the 49ers are going to start you and I at wide receiver next week or tonight, really, because yeah, we got to wrap any- this up. We have to play tonight. Yeah, I got to go suit up for the Niners here in about three minutes because there's nobody else on that team. But uh, I, I, I feel like you. I feel like we would have been better off just releasing him and letting him go sign with somebody. And if he chooses to sign with the Patriots at that point, then, you know, so be it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you get you get a draft pick. Uh, if Isaiah Ford is anything, uh, I guess good for the Patriots and Bill Belichick for, for, for getting us once again. But um, th- that wasn't it, Chris. I mean, not only was it Isaiah Ford going away, the Miami Dolphins were actually buyers as well. They got what DeAndre Washington, if I'm not mistaken, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think we gave up a relatively what a conditional sixth round pick, and we got a sixth round pick from him, both conditional. Um, he comes in. He's kind of a smaller running back. And why did we go get a running back? Well, that's because Miles Gaskin uh, is now uh, with a with a sprained MCL on injured reserve. He's going to miss the next three weeks. It doesn't sound like much, but he is our starting running back. Uh, Matt Breda seems like he's going to be out this week against the Arizona Cardinals. So we're down to Jordan Howard, who hasn't been active (laughs) since like week three, Uh, Patrick Laird, and now DeAndre Washington. So we don't really have many running backs. So getting DeAndre Washington, sure, great, but he might be somebody that we need to plug in right away. What are your thoughts on DeAndre Washington coming to the uh, Miami Dolphins by way of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I didn't know much about him when we got him. I looked up highlights. And I was like, man, that guy looks like Miles Gaskin. That's weird. Why'd we trade for him? And then like 10 minutes later, Miles Gaskin was put on the IR. And I was like, oh, it makes sense. Uh, right now, Brian Flores, I feel like he's like the Joker in the dark night. He went into the running back room, sat down in front of Jordan Howard and went, hi. <laughs> gonna need you to play on sunday my guy hey always liked you always liked you you just know how it is it's a business you're in shape right like we're gonna we ain't gonna count on you right jordan please we're gonna need you this week because we have no one else it might be jordan howard and malcolm perry running the ball this weekend who knows but i don't even know if uh deandre uh, uh washington can even play for us isn't there like a rule like if you switch teams like you have to be out five days for covid uh, before you know testing before you like go into the new locker room i mean honestly we might be playing with brian piccolo and um matt Breida and, and patrick laird 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure what's going to happen come Sunday. We're going to talk again. I, we sound like broken records. We're going to talk all about this game a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I thought it was just interesting, right? We get that running back and then two running backs go down and we trade away a wide receiver. Uh, who knows who's going to be back there uh, against the Arizona Cardinals along with Tua. It might be empty backfield and say, fuck it, we're doing this live. We're throwing the ball every single time. Tua might be our running back. He might just be like, ah, I'm just going to run at this play again. If uh, Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry, either one of them are inactive, I'd be upset if I were them. Like they, this is every opportunity for them to get carries, op, you know, wildcat looks, whatever. Uh, uh, because we have, we have no one else. We we're gonna really need you guys. Yeah, and Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry, by the way, I I, I shit you not, man. I, they they're like the exact same player they're the same height they're the same build they run the same fucking speed i one's 10 and one's 15 i mean all it tells me is alan hearns and and albert wilson are not coming back that's what those that's what i know about those two because they gave their numbers away but i i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do for running back but that's not it man not only was it that we're losing our running backs due to injury but we're actually gaining austin jackson back reports are that he was practicing this week chris uh the talented left tackle who played very well at the beginning of his season until he got hurt uh he might might be suiting up and uh, back in the left tackle saddle against the uh, Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Uh, how exciting are you to get Austin Jackson back? And does that mean that uh, Mr. Robert Hunt goes back onto the sidelines or do we start three rookies going forward? Yeah, that's kind of bittersweet, actually, that you brought that up. And I don't think we talked about the offensive line enough about uh, the Rams game. We mentioned the first couple plays where, yeah, Tua got hit. But after that, man, Aaron Donald really was a non-factor as far as Aaron Donald goes. Right. He didn't dominate the game. He didn't like, you know, Tua wasn't running for his life, which, of course, he didn't need to. He just did a couple of rollouts, dump-offs, fuck it, put the defense back out. They're going to score more points than we are anyway. Um, so that's kind of like – a you know, a Fugazi Fugazi, but uh, still the offensive line did its job. It did well. Um, so it, it's tough with Robert Hunt kind of getting into his own at right tackle, which if you really think about it now is the anchor, the most important position on the offensive line. Cause Tua Tungo Bailoa is a left-handed quarterback. Yeah. That's his left tackle. Right. So if Robert Hunt did well enough, he's playing well. And uh, you know, we're going to switch him out and maybe put Jesse Davis back there with uh, Austin Jackson at left tackle. is that an upgrade is austin jackson a good enough right tackle i'm doing the air quotes for guys not watching right now is he a good enough right tackle with a left-handed quarterback where we're okay with jesse davis being the left tackle over robert hunt who didn't do too bad and is now going into his third start which would be for him i i don't know i don't know what the answer to that question is i trust flores and then making that decision but um you almost kind of like feel like you want to ride with with robert hunt it's kind of an embarrassment of riches at this point you know look we're four and three we're not the perfect team but when you go wow we have too many good options on the offensive line when's the last time the miami dolphins had to have the issue we didn't have a show then we didn't have a show it's been before our show that's we've been terrible in offensive line since we started dallas thomas uh you know i mean just god billy fucking turner like i can't even like uh, ptsd hosting the show with you talking about those guys like yeah it's been a while well, look, we're, we're going to get into the offensive line. We're going to get into all of this. Uh, but look, congratulations to you. Congratulations to all the citizens of Perfectville and everybody uh, that follows the Miami Dolphins for what has been nothing short but an amazingly fun season so far. It's, we're at the halfway point. We're at game eight, week nine. Um, and before we get into the game preview, Chris, uh, just I have to caution everybody. We're going to go pay some bills. We're going to go do what we have to do. And then we're going to come back and you're going to, you're going to hear from a former professional baseball player, a former player from NFL Europe in the world league, former Super Bowl player 
and a former XFL player. And guess what? That's just one guy, Mr. Ed Smith. And oh, by the way, his brother played in the league. And oh, by the way, his nephew's playing in the league right now. This guy is a genetic freak in terms of his athletic ability. Uh, Just an amazing dude. I can't wait for you guys to meet him here in the town of Perfectville. We'll be back right after these words. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok, leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them? All right, joining us here in the town of Perfectville uh, might be the inspiration for the most interesting man in the world commercials from all those years ago. (laughs) Mr. Ed Smith is here. Ed, how are you? I'm doing great, Sam. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, we appreciate you taking time out of like you playing 55 different professional sports <laughs> for 67 <laughs> different leagues to spend some time talking Cardinals, talking Dolphins. Uh, but before we do that, I, I, I was telling you right off air, we, we have to talk about your career. For those that don't know, Ed, Ed, you you started your professional sports career in baseball. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Drafted by the uh, Chicago White Sox in the seventh round of the 1987 uh, MLB draft. So the seventh round of baseball in terms of draft is probably the equivalent of like what, like a first late first or second round pick in football. I mean, there's so many rounds of baseball because of the minor league system and everything else they have going on. But a seventh round draft pick is is relatively high when you consider all the different rounds of, of baseball that they have. So a pretty highly regarded baseball player, you, you, you get drafted by the white Sox. You also spent time with what the Cubs, the, the, the Indians, who am I and missing? The, the Brewers. The Brewers. Over, yeah, well. over a nine-year career, yep. Yeah, I, I'm always surprised, Chris, that I'm not a Brewers fan, considering how much beer I like to drink, but I'm not. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so you played baseball professionally until you were, from what I could tell, from about 26 years old. Is that is that about right? Yeah, my, my last baseball season, I was I was turned 25 that summer, and then the following spring, you know, I, well, actually during that summer of 25, I decided it was time to make a change, and by the time I got started with everything next the following year, I was still 25, but you know, I, and I think you're leading up to the uh, the change to the world of football. <laughs> Just that easy. You're like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm kind of done with baseball. I'm bored. Let's go play um, the hardest contact sport in history. That, that and, and you did, and you did it. That's insane. Yeah, and you know, it's it. I, you know, I always give people the Cliff Notes version when I kind of talk about it. But I mean, you talk about a process, man, and and then also walking away from a nine-year baseball career, and it wasn't like I was, you know, down in A ball. I was up, you know, up in Triple A with the yeah. Indians, you know, Double A. Uh, it spent a bunch of years, you know, was really close to cracking that that uh, you know that barrier. But just things worked the way they worked out. You know, it, it was I just knew in my heart it was time for a change. And, you know, I was scared to death when I was even thinking about, OK, I'm going to walk away from this nine year career and I'm going to do what? I'm going to go chase <laughs> football. And, you know, I had so many sleepless nights and, you know, I actually had an opportunity to talk to my brother. My brother 
uh, was a first round pick out of Notre Dame in uh, 93. It was already in the league a couple of years and uh, with the uh, Saints. And I called him one night. I was up in Canton, Ohio you know, with the Indians and called him one night and thought, you know, threw this crazy idea at him about me, you know, giving football a try the next year after I finished that season. And I was actually waiting for him to say, look, man, uh, you know, I'm in the league. This is tough. You know, you, you better stay with baseball. And he actually, his, you know, I'm older brother. I was a couple years older than me. He told me, Big E, anything you've ever put your mind to, you've been able to to pull it off. I have no, I, I, no doubt you, you know, you put your mind to this. I'll do everything I can to help you. And that was what sealed it for me in terms of, okay, at least I'm thinking about, I may think about making a change. Then it was a matter of execution, but, you know, as everything. And it was no easy run. Sam and Chris, but you know, I, I, you know, and you can see through the, the all the places and stops and things like that. But to make it into the NFL, uh, you know, through the World League of American Football, and then you know, actually playing a Super Bowl and do some of the different things I did, you know, man, I tell you, I sometimes I have to pinch myself just to realize some of the things I accomplished. So that that's what I want to get into is like. Not only did you get drafted, you know, fairly high in, in Major League Baseball, work your way through the system, get up to AAA, things aren't going the way you want. And like the way you decide, you know what, I'll just go play football is kind of like the way Chris and I decide, you know what, we've had the same thing on the same man at the same <laughs> restaurant for three years straight. Let's try something new and see what happens. That's what it kind of, I mean, I don't have that level of athletic ability. Uh, Chris played in college. I, I certainly did not. Um, but man, what, what was that transition like? Because you didn't go straight to the NFL. You, you mentioned it and, and you even called it by the original name there the world league world uh, which league. i remember growing up i remember i was a fan of like the ryan fire because i yeah. had, for whatever reason i had like baseball cards uh, of the ryan fire <laughs> players but you went from major league baseball almost crack it into the pros to deciding after talking to your brother and making some decisions that you're going to play professional football and it, you can't just walk in and, and start playing for you know the falcons or the eagles or the packers or anything like that you gotta you gotta start all over again and now oh by the way you're 26 years old you're not coming straight out of college you're not drafted you got to go to the world league and and you played for uh, who did you play for well was uh, frankfurt it? galaxy frankfurt galaxy yeah. and then were they they were the world league when you when you started there or yes. were they nfl europe okay it was, it was still the world league and uh you're talking about, a, you know, change of uh, from reality. I remember the first time, you know, because it was a whole process. Like I said, I had to get somebody even just to give me a look after spending that off season. Because I finished that baseball season. I always promised myself I'd never quit anything. So I actually finished that 95 season with the Indians. Didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. But then after the season, I kind of drifted away. I was a free agent that off season. My baseball agent and myself decided – We'll, we'll look at the offers, but I'd already told him what I was going to do and he was going to give me any assistance he could. Uh, didn't get any sniffs from, you know, for the NFL, uh, but, you know, I able to make a contact with the World League, which was kicking off in the spring of the following year. So I'd gotten in shape and got a team to give me a look with the only team, which was the Frankfurt Galaxy. Got there a week late for camp. They had already started and they only had about three weeks left in camp. Uh, beat out three guys and here's the crazy part sam i hadn't put a football uniform on since my senior year in high school which oh was back God. in 1986 and i remember the first day you know i go and i get my uniform after i pass my physical and everything man i'm looking at these you know baseball player man i got my cleats i got my helmet you know my bat i'm good you know, give me a glove man, i'm putting all these shin you know the the knee pads and the thigh pads and all the shoulder pad and the helmet it was so strange, but the thing that helped me is, you know, because I knew I had some ground to catch up. 
there were some guys who had NFL experience on this team. And as far as tight ends, these are dudes I had to beat out. I started on the depth chart at five and in three weeks, worked my way up to the first uh, on the depth chart. And that was just from straight hustle and athletic ability, trying to figure out playbooks and all the crazy things I had to do. You know, baseball, you don't have a playbook. You got tomorrow's pitcher, you know, you figure that out. You know, NFL, man, I'm or football, I'm finding myself looking through playbooks with all these motions and designs and this. So it was, you talk about a culture shock, but like I said, it's the best thing I'd ever done, uh, you know, taking that chance with, uh, you know, making it, you know, the transition, as I call it. Ed, do you think the NFL is missing a minor league type league like the Europe or the World League? Uh, or even like, uh, do you think the XFL is going to be successful coming up again, which we'll get into with you in a minute. But do you think that was uh, obviously that was helpful for you to get back and get into the league? Uh, do you think the NFL is missing that right now? Without it, Chris, you never I would have continued on with my baseball career and you probably never would have heard from me or, you know, I just at some point would have just gave up on baseball. But football definitely needs something like that. Um, you know, they they're they're. I guess they constantly lean on the college game as they're free. They don't have to pay anybody free kind of minor league system, but they could definitely benefit. You know, the world league was the best thing there ever, like I said, happened for me. And there were guys from some of the other teams that were, uh, they were called, they were um, uh, like, we had guys on our team from the Cowboys, uh, from the Minnesota Vikings that they sent over to get some work in, because they just weren't ready, you know, maybe they're young players. And I, you know, I think there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I would have, you know, think that football would be the, 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 the sport of all, you know, you got the G league and basketball, you got the, uh, you know, minor leagues, obviously, which are being trimmed down a little bit in baseball, but at least they have something to look at players and have them on the ready and stuff like that. I think if nothing else, if you had just a skeleton team that worked out and you guys gave them an opportunity to, uh, you know, just be on the ready, like I said, especially with everything we're going through with COVID. Right. You know, who wouldn't be able to, who wouldn't approve that? But, you know, the NFL, they're always trying to keep that very last dollar in their pocket. And if they have <laughs> to pay for it, uh, that's not what they like to do. So just to recap so far, ladies and gentlemen. The <laughs> yeah, and he metal. said, he, he, I, mean, I love how you mentioned too, like, and here's the crazy part. <laughs> like, wait, wait, this has already been crazy. Like, what do you mean? More? Like, I, I got the camera to work for our show today, and I, I feel like somebody should write an autobiography, you know, like a biography for me. <laughs> this guy, Ed Smith, who we're talking to right now, you can find him at Ed Smith Speaks on Twitter and social media, uh, <laughs> goes out and, and, and gets drafted, uh, works his way through the minor leagues, gets into the AAA with the Cleveland Indians in the uh, mid, mid, which, by the way, uh, Indians are probably kicking themselves that you left, Ed, because the Indians started making the World <laughs> Series right after you left, and they needed, like, one more player just to get over the hump and actually win the damn thing. But you left. You could have been that dude. Hey, been that hey, dude. Hey, 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 as a Marlins fan, I'm happy for that, because 97 <laughs> you won that epic extra inning game seven, which is a very underrated World Series. I think Jim Tomey was just sitting there going, Ed, you know, right, right uh, as we're striking out there. But uh, you go over to, you play nfl in the world well you play world league nfl europe for for people that maybe aren't as old as i am um and then after that you 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 jump in with the falcons correct is that is that your first no, actually that, what happened is i came back and another four games in i blow my knee out ruptured mcl they fly me back to birmingham i did four weeks of rehab no surgery because if i had surgery i'd have been on the shelf for probably three to four months so I rehab nothing you know, two days a week or two day two times a day, every day for except for Sunday. The t- while I was 
when I was there with the team, we were four and zero. I left. All of a sudden, they were zero and four. They're calling all the way back across to Birmingham. Like, when can we get Ed back? Is he you healthy? Know, is he healthy? So every week, I'm trying to pass this physical to get back over there. Kind of fake my way through it. Got back over there. Uh, like I said, four and four when I when we got back, threw me right into the fire. We win the next two. Uh, go to the World Bowl against Scotland, lose that one. Fly back to the States on June 22nd. I was in my first training camp, uh, July 13th that year with an MCL that still wasn't fully repaired. But I actually spent that uh, training camp with the Rams. was the very last cut that they made. Uh, they wanted me back on the practice squad. Uh, Washington, the Washington football team, we all know the former name. They swooped in. We're like, no, we want you on our squad. So they came, got me. I actually spent the whole – uh, season on their practice squad before going to Atlanta for two years, both the years active, and then Detroit and Philly after that, and then the XFL. Wait, wait. So, so wait. So you're telling me, Ed, <laughs> that you blew your knee out and got promoted in football? Like I've never seen anything like that. Like you tore your knee and and went higher in the football world. Like that's unbelievable. You're super. And, and it was a totally ruptured MCL. I remember when when it happened on the field, and I actually finished the game actually too. And I, you know, helped on the last drive. I get to the uh, doctors the next day and my trainer and I, we thought, well, he's walking. Uh, maybe it's not as bad as we think, you know, we're out there together and the doctor calls us into the room and he takes a little sheet and slides it up onto, you know, a little light thing. He's like, yeah, you totally ruptured your MCL. And we were just all dead. I'm like, Oh my God, because you know, everything I sacrificed and made this right. change and four weeks in, you know, boom, I thought it was all over. And, but you know, the, 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 the you know, when they sent me back to, Birmingham and I went back to Health South and Dr. Andrews and Lee Mackinac. They were, you know, they were my doctors and they, they took great care of me, but man, I was working like a dog because I knew this possibly was my one and only shot. So I was eating, sleeping and breathing rehab, trying to get back over. And it didn't hurt that the team just totally tanked while I was away. And like I said, it was, <laughs> it was flattering. They were calling, you know, back and trying to get reports on when's he ready? We need him back here, you know? So, and I was able to go back over and like I said, do my thing for a couple of weeks and, get back here and then uh, the next part of the journey began yeah so it, it, the next part of the journey we're going to get to in just a second and this is now the second time i've had to say this but this is how incredible this journey is <laughs> to recap once again uh there's a couple things that you've said so far we're not even going to go back to you know baseball we're done with baseball we've moved on from baseball just like you did the indians are once again not going to win because you have now moved on again for baseball you, you join the world league you have three weeks of training camp and somehow not only make the team, but go from fifth on the depth chart to first. You guys are going undefeated. You blow out your MCL. I'm surprised you didn't just fix it yourself at this point. Everything <laughs> I know about you. You fly back to the States. You elect to not have surgery because apparently like you and Ronnie Lott are now cousins. And you're like, I'm not going to be out any longer than this. The team suffers because you're gone. They go four and four. You come back to help them after rehabbing like a like a crazy person. You guys get all the way to the to the finals of the World League. Mm -hmm. You know, you come up a little short, but you get all the way back to the finals um, and then decide, well, I'm done with the World League. I'm done with baseball. I'm going to go play with the Rams. I'm going to go play with the Washington football team. I'm going to latch on with the Falcons, which is where we are now. So just so everybody's everybody who feels like they have accomplished something as a man or just a human being, <laughs> keep in mind what you're listening to right now. The thousands of citizens that are listening to this right now, you have done nothing with your lives. I'm telling you right now. Um, so you, you, you join on with the Falcons and let's just skip to the good parts, Ed. 
a couple of years after stopping baseball and having this paradigm shift and really this moment of what am I going to do and then deciding what you're going to do and then going out and accomplishing it a couple of years after your baseball career ends, you're now playing on the Atlanta Falcons and playing in the biggest sports game on the planet, the Super Bowl in what, 98? Is that correct? 98, yeah. Uh, what was, I mean, let's just pick up from how you started with Atlanta to the end of that Super Bowl run. Um, what was that whole journey of two years like for you? Man, I tell you, so there were times when if I just was afraid I was going to wake up and find out it was all a dream and, you know, to you know, all the sacrifice, the bleeds, the bleeding, the sweat, the tears, you know, to finally get there. I was with the Falcons. Uh, my first active game uh, was, on, you know, was against my brother of all play. He was in New Orleans wow. at the time. So, you know, we're out there on the field together. And I remember at the end of that game, it was so surreal. I was on the hands team and we're up in that game and I'm on the front line of the hands team and I'm on their sideline and I'm in my, you know, waiting for the kick and everything. And all of a sudden I hear this voice over my shoulder, my baby brother. And I was just like, and you're talking about, I had almost, I stopped, looked over my shoulder. I was like, what's going on there? You know? And it was just like, I was like, it was like, I couldn't believe here I am. And then you fast forward, you know, we had that magical run with the Falcons, uh, you know, the 98 season, the dirty birds, yeah. uh, you know, the, and the crazy part, you know, I, you know, we started that 97 season out one and seven, just a joke in the NFL. We finished six and two, uh, you know, on the, almost one of the first teams ever go start a season one and seven and finish eight and eight didn't happen. We lost our last game against uh, the Cardinals that year, but we, that next season, man, it was like, when we talk about magical, it was almost like it was a dream for the most part. You know, we started out, nobody believed we were any good. You know, our season, our schedule was soft. It was this. We caught a break because we played these guys at this time. Next thing you know, man, we were 14-2, and two, and all the goals we had put together at the start of that season. And Coach Dan Reeves, I compliment him on when he took over in 97, you know, taking over for June Jones and the uh, old run and shoot and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was one, I was a very first tight end. He signed, and I was actually in Kansas City. I had work out with them. Tony Gonzalez was there. Gerback was a quarterback. Flew from there, and by the time I landed in Atlanta, my agent had already gotten calls. Casey wanted to sign me, but my agent thought, hey, let's just take a look at Atlanta because, you know, they're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. Did my workout with Atlanta. They ended up wanting me. I signed with them. Like I said, the, 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 the run to the Super Bowl and then to come out. I, I, I never, I will never forget to the day. I can live to be 100 years old. Coming out of that tunnel on Super Bowl Sunday, especially, you know, sometimes people don't appreciate where they are or what they're doing. Man, I, I had to stop and think. Maybe wasn't a couple to three years ago, I was on a bus you know, riding through the Eastern League, you know, stopping at convenience stores in the middle of the night. And here I am on the biggest stage in the world. The entire world is watching as I'm getting ready to come out this tunnel. My mom and dad were so proud. My brother was there, my agent, you know. The only bad part about it is we didn't finish it off by winning it. But, guys, I have a Super Bowl ring, an MC Championship ring that kind of marks my my journey. You know, there's a lot of guys who played a whole lot longer than I did and never played in and know in that big game and I can I can you know say that I did and you know I'm I'm uh, uh, just so blessed and was so you know every, every time I like when the Super Bowl comes around I always think about it. I just get the chills when I think about 
you know, where I was. And now, you know, I have a 10 year old son and he loves like every now and then they'll be showing some highlights. Uh, you know, when we beat Minnesota, daddy was out there on the field goal team. You know, he sees me when they show highlights from our game against the Broncos. And, you know, that's just precious for me, man. He knows daddy did at least a little something with his life. and I'm trying to guide him in that same, uh, you know, in that same uh, channel. Ed, you got to have a 30 for 30. Like, this is unbelievable. You <laughs> you talking about that ton, just you describing that tunnel and coming out. I got chills and I've never experienced anything like that. I'm playing Newberry in Division II college. And that's like <laughs> the best, uh, the best bet I've ever had. But standing in that, on that field in the Super Bowl must have been unbelievable. I, I read on your Wikipedia that you are uh, or, or were a motivational speaker. Is that right? Yeah, I still do it. I actually do, a, you know, I've gotten really into media over the last bunch of years. I've been in radio for nine years. Uh, my current show, uh, Easy Sports Talk is every Saturday out here on uh, 1060, formerly uh, NBC Radio. They made a couple changes since, but I do travel, you know, obviously with Corona and everything going on right now, I've uh, been kind of shut down for a while, but I do travel the country and I speak motivationally on my life and my journey, try to pass some of those lessons and things. You know, you always hear about people, you got to overcome the obstacles, you got to do that. And I, I use my, 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 my journey to illustrate you know, one, nothing is impossible. And the other thing is don't let anybody try to talk you out of their dreams. And the other, th- there's so many different stories I have that kind of illustrate, you know, whether you're in corporate America or trying to be an athlete or chasing education, whatever it is, there's certain things you have to do uh, and, and certain, you know, things you have to expect and out of yourself, you know, nobody's going to give it to you. I was never given anything and I you know, worked hard for everything I had, but like I said, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished, but yeah, that's part of, and also I'm a published author. You mentioned earlier at Sam, I think my autobiography, I actually wrote it myself back in 2003 and four and actually is published. It's called easy. Does it the journey of a lifetime? It was published out here and I'm actually just getting ready. I've just went to print again. I'm just actually getting ready to uh, re-release it a little bit. So Sam, I don't even think he, we should have him on the show. Honestly, like this is <laughs> this is unbelievable. I'm I'm like kind of starstruck here. Like the the journey, like the the book, the motivational speaking. Like just I can listen to him talk all day. We haven't even touched on the Cardinals game. <laughs> we haven't even. I mean, we. I was like, it'll be a ten minute interview. We're going to talk about the Cardinals and you know it, get everyone back to their their day. And, and no, we're not. I, I refuse. Um, hey, Ed, tell us about your elementary school life. Yeah. yeah uh, well, look. It, here's the thing. Like I'm looking on the camera here, Ed, and I see in the background a bowling pin, and I'm like, oh my god. He was on the professional, you know, he was on the PBA as well. This guy, uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't even want to get to bowling because I've, I, I got to tell you, both Chris and I, growing up, my uncle was a professional wrestler. I, I started my life in terms of performing as a professional wrestler. Chris watched professional wrestling. I now do stand-up comedy for a living. Uh, Chris has done some improv and all this other stuff. We're obviously here on this podcast as part of the Fanatics Network. And, and – uh, you ended your football career, so you went, you know, baseball, uh, World League, NFL, Super Bowl, NFL. You, you have a couple other stops along the way in the NFL, and then you end your your professional playing career with the XFL, which at the time was owned by Vince McMahon and mm-hmm. you know the owner of the WWEF, whatever they were at the time. Uh, how how I don't know I don't even know where to start with this, but like how I've never spoken to somebody who played in the XFL before. We've spoken to NFL players, <laughs> and we, we kind of understand, you know, on some level, the, and have a lot of respect for that not that we don't for the xfl players but for somebody who's played in those three leagues what was it like 
going from the NFL to the XFL. And what was like, I don't know, the craziest thing that you saw that season in the XFL? The XFL was kind of my swan song. You know, by the time I got there, you know, opportunities in the NFL were kind of dwindling just and not because of talent. I was 31, 32 years old, almost, yeah. you know, toward the end of my career. And the XFL kind of came along. They reached out to me and ended up drafting me. Uh, it was really good football. It wasn't NFL football. It was a step above college football. The problem I had was how they presented it. You know, it was going to be this wild open league and we're going to do this. And, you know, dudes are going to be out, uh, out there body slamming each other and, you know, uh, headlocks and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I, me being one of the veterans on my team, you know, I first, I was with the Birmingham Thunderbolts, as a matter of fact, and I kind of came to the team. I said, look, we're not going to make this a joke. I said, I know they gave everybody options to put all these crazy nicknames and everything on there. I said, look, let's treat this as a professional job. As we're going to put our last names on our jerseys. We're not going to be out there clanning. We're going to play some good football and see what opportunities some of you younger guys might get from this. You know, I knew my door was closing, but, you know, I was going to go out and I was going to have myself some fun. And I went from being like second tight end, uh, sometime the third string guy in the NFL also, now I'm this wild old veteran who this is my job is, you know, I'm the starting tight end. I let my rookie guys, you know, hey, you guys take these reps in practice. I'll take care of game day on set. You know, so it was Business like a, decisions. It was a great, you know, great way to finish up and go out. You know, the team I was on wasn't all that great. Our coaching staff wasn't that great. But for me to be able to go out and when I was all said and done, I was like, you know, that was fun. And then when it, the league went away to say, you know, and obviously it's come back and, these different versions, but at the time, you know, for what, 15, 16, 17 years, I say I was the only one, you know, one of only a few that actually played in that league. And I, I'm probably one of very few that played in world league NFL and XFL. So I, you know, I'd probably have a distinct possibility of maybe someday being one of those trivia questions or something like that. You never know. Hell yeah, you should be. And Ed, how was, how, how was that football? Like, how was catching it? The red and black ball. Because you know, as a kid, I, I love that thing. Yeah, and I got a couple of them here at the house. And then I got a couple minis, too. I can't keep my son from running around with those things, man. And and one time I had a one that I, a little prize possession. The next thing I know, I said, where's the ball at? Over in the neighbor's yard somewhere. And I'm like, we got to get that back, man. You know, <laughs> That's special, but dude. They were really – it was a good ball to catch. Uh, you know, we had different things with the uh, cameras on the field and – in the locker room and uh, you know, some of the, the scrum for the ball at the beginning of the game. So there's some things that were good, some things that were just too hokey, but all in all, it was a uh, good football and I really enjoyed it. Well, and you think about that camera shot that swoops over the top of the field that started with the That's XFL. All with the XFL yeah. And, and it's now a standard shot that you see in every single NFL mm-hmm. game throughout the season. So there were things that came out of there other than he hate me, Rod Smart. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you also had, you, you also had uh, things like that. I actually kind of like the scrum. It reminds me of uh, recess in school where, you know, you line up <laughs> on either side and you had to go get the eraser and tackle the other guy before he got back to, uh, you know, and I don't know if you guys know, one of my, my quarterback was Casey Weldon. He's a big Florida dude. I think Florida State yard. But, yeah, Casey Weldon was my quarterback. We were two of the old Grizzly veterans on that team. Well, you know, you said Florida State. Chris is a uni- uni- University of Miami guy. I'm a Florida Gator. So, okay. uh, you know, that, hey, Florida State's a nice junior college over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, real quick, I when I – because I had to pick my – football and baseball trips and i've you know when i was in high school university of florida uh galen hall i think was the head coach at the time that was one of my recruiting trips uh back in 87 
Right on, right on. No, it, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, Chris and I, other than Miami Dolphins, are almost diametrically opposed. I'm a Lakers fan. He's a Heat fan. He's a Marlins <laughs> fan. I'm a, I'm a Dodgers fan. Uh, but we, you know, we're, we're best friends when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, and we're best friends when it comes to uh, the Miami Dolphins this season in particular. So why don't we switch gears? Ed, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day. Uh, about your life and everything you got going on. And by the way, uh, you said you got a 10 year old son. Uh, if you have any openings and you want to be like a surrogate father to like a 38 year old man <laughs> in California, uh, I mean, I'll just tell everybody that you're my dad and tell your story to everyone. I'm like, we wrote a book. I'll, I'll do the whole thing. Um, uh, but uh, you're, you're now focusing on the Cardinals. You, you've seen this team a lot. I, uh, I have Kyler Murray on my fantasy football team. So Good I've been job. watching them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an easy decision. Um, I, think I told you to do that, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I think you might have, but uh, I've got these are my two quarterbacks. I had Kyler Murray and I got Tua Tungavailoa, and I was like, oh, here we go. Now, now they're going to be playing each other. Uh, this Cardinals team, I, I've seen it for for quite some time, but since Kyler took over, and now that they have DeAndre Hopkins on the team, um, this this offense for the Arizona Cardinals is loaded just with those two guys alone. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your overall thoughts on this Cardinals team? I mean, what is the ceiling? Is this a Super Bowl contending team this year? I mean, they beat the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was uh, basically that that stamp that they're here. Uh, but is that the is that the expectation in Arizona this year? I would temper that, Sam. Uh, you know, the we still have a long way to go. Uh, not just offensively, not just defensively, but as a team altogether. You know, we've, we'll, we'll be able to mix in some good wins, some big wins. We've already done that against San Fran. Uh, we, you know, we just had that good one against Seattle. We just have too many holes and too much inconsistency for me to say that we're going to compete with the big boys. Now we can go out and shock anybody on any given day, but realistically, my, my partner, he does, we do radio and the believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast together we started the season the two of us especially with no offseason limited training camp no preseason games man we had the Cardinals pegged it maybe seven wins total for the season so they've kind of shocked us a little bit and they're ahead of schedule but to put them in that class of you know, team contenders for title. Now, I'm not saying we can't get into the playoffs, but I said we're just not consistent enough with our running game. Kyler's still trying to figure some things out vertically down the field, and some of that becomes is because of his height-challenged nature, you know. Uh, still not being able to see down the middle of the field consistently, needing to create windows. That's always going to be a problem, and teams are going to attack us in that way. Uh, a lot of times we're vertical, we're horizontal with our passing game instead of vertical. So we got a lot of things to finish to, like, kind of tidy up. Uh, but like I said, that doesn't mean that we can't be a playoff team uh, as far as looking at Super Bowl, you know, like was that old saying, crawl, walk, run. So let's let's finish the crawl status first and then, you know, get to that jog and then maybe eventually a sprint. <laughs> well, Ed, obviously the Dolphins are coming off a very defensively dominating defor- uh, p- performance against the uh, L.A. Rams. Uh, Jared Goff just was did not look comfortable at all the entire game, multiple sacks, multiple turnovers. Um, and didn't even get to the point where like we even needed to lean on Xavier Howard or Byron Jones on the boundary there because the pressure was just so, so, so quick and so, so much and plentiful, but Jared Goff is not Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's not going to stand in that pocket, five-step drop, look for his progressions. So uh, do, do you think you see a repeat of a defensive performance from this Dolphins defense from what you've seen? Or do you think uh, we need to obviously change some things up a little bit to keep him in-house because he can yeah. run like wild? Definitely have to change things up. You obviously the, you know, Cardinals are looking heavy at that uh, Rams game to see how you guys attack golf. Uh, Kyler's a different 
kind of, he's a different beast, man. Uh, his speed, I equate it to, you know, we all like to play video games and stuff like that, right? You remember if you're playing football and you get that turbo button? Yeah. And you just, I mean, you're beating that turbo button to death and that dog, you know, just, he, it's almost like you're watching professional athletes out there all on the same field. I will say he looks, obviously, you guys get a chance to look at him out there, looks so much smaller than the other guys. But it's like, if you can't catch it, uh, you know, matter. you can't hit it. It doesn't matter. And this dude, man, I'm telling you, he, I've seen him make guys look really foolish out in the open field. And he's starting to get a little better with making all plays productive. There was some times, you know, last year and even started the season, you know, he felt the pressure and he has no problem with hitting that eject button and getting down. But now what he's doing, he's scrambling, not overdoing it, but he's getting out in the open, gaining some yardage, getting down. Uh, you know, limiting the sacks. I think we went sackless uh, this past week, I think. And that's always a plus. I don't care who you're playing. It's always a plus, you know. So this is going to be something different that you guys haven't seen. And always, it's funny, you always, you always look at it and you see it on tape. And this is stuff I was joking with my radio partner the other day. You know, you watching film and you're looking at Michael Strahan or uh, Michael Thomas, you're like, yeah, I can I can do that, you know. And yeah, I, it looks okay. I'm and then you get out there on the field. And you realize how strong and quick those dudes are. And like, you know, even puts a little doubt in your own head. It's like, whoa, you know, that's when dudes get back to the sideline and they start talking to each other. Did you see what he just did out there? And I think that's going to be a little bit of that on Saturday. And I don't expect you guys to be like enamored where you're not getting after it. But the first time you see him, the guys are going to see him out there. It's going to be a lot of guys whispering to each other, man, I thought I had him right there. And, I didn't. <laughs> no, nah, it's going to slip out. And that's one thing I saw with the Dolphins, uh, if you want to say struggled on defense against the Rams, they, they, they were not bringing the ball carrier down on the first hit. Uh, you know, if they were able to get – if when Jared was able to get the ball to Cooper Cup or, or any of these other wide receivers that he had, um, we were hitting and falling off. And it was kind of like, all right, that was frustrating, even though it was a dominating performance on the defense. Uh, you add a little bit of Kyler Murray into the mix. You know, it, like like Chris said, he's not Jared Goff. He's a guy that's going to look, and if that read isn't there, he's probably going to take off. And the Miami Dolphins don't traditionally do very good with mobile quarterbacks. We saw it earlier this year with Cam Newton. We saw it earlier this year with Josh Allen. Uh, and then all of a sudden we had Gardner Minshew. We had Jimmy Garoppolo, and we had Jared Goff, who were basically three statues sitting back there and all of a sudden the defense looks good yeah so this is the type of matchup that scares me as a Dolphins fan who watches the Miami Dolphins every single week because we don't do well with a mobile quarterback and you throw on top of the fact that he's not only just a running quarterback that that that's really you know a disservice to what Kyler Murray can do he can throw the ball like you said maybe he's still trying to figure out the deep ball but he's got some help I mean he's got mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins who if he's not the best wide receiver in, in the NFL he's certainly top five yeah you add those two together and and really, that's the option. I mean, is that is the game plan simply that go find D Hop, and if he's not there, tuck the ball and run? Is that is that really what the Arizona Cardinals have been doing uh, in terms of su- successful offensive play calling? I've been begging for them to get more involved with their running game, Sam and Chris. You know, we obviously you guys know we got. Uh, Kenyon Drake out here. He's coming back from that injury. Don't expect him to play. He would have been a great motivated person if he because this would have been like a great get back game. Oh, that happened. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and tell him what every... former running backs do. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Chris, I'm interrupting you. Tell him yeah. what former Miami Dolphins running backs do when they come back, uh, when the hands come back to roost. Jay Ajayi, when he went to the Eagles, could have had zero carries for zero yards for eight weeks, and then he plays the Dolphins and he has 250 yards and four carries. Like he yeah. would have completely smoked. So I was expecting Kenyon Drake to catch a touchdown, run a touchdown, and probably get a kickoff return too. Maybe even throw a touchdown. That's the Dolphins' way. I was surprised to even hear he was 
attempting because you know he not just a high ankle sprain but a high ankle sprain with torn ligaments so you know i've been there before you this isn't one you just pop back from but obviously you would have thinking- you would have <laughs> the next day you would have yeah played. yeah he, i mean Kenyon drake is no ed smith that that much we know <laughs> i will say this Kenyon drake was trying to come back for this game my theory is that he had this one marked on his calendar because Absolutely. not only is this his former team this is the coach that said you you, you can go elsewhere mm-hmm. so you know he was looking for a little bit of a revenge game we've seen that with our own players we've seen mike Kosicki and Devontae parker when they go see adam gase with the jets now and go oh remember us when you didn't use us properly yeah so uh we were fully expecting ken and drake to come in here and you know 175 on 10 carries and two touchdowns <laughs> maybe even throw one to kyler murray at that point but uh yeah well i'll be i'll be happy that he's not there in fact we have no ill will towards Kenyon drake really but it's just one of those things where we fully expected him to be playing in this game and, and really yeah kill us here but uh, i'll ask you this so outside of deandre hopkins and uh and of course kyler murray who's the one guy on offense that we should be looking at who when we when when the arizona cardinals line up and we go okay we know hopkins and we know kyler who's the third guy who's the one that we go oh we got to also make sure that we have somebody on him man that's the that, the biggest question of the week for you know with you know you got the options of you know larry's Fitzgerald's always obviously he's not the Larry of old. He's lost a step. His biggest con- contribution is, you know, manning the middle of the field, almost like a big tight end. A, a big, he's a big wide receiver slash little, littlest tight end. You know, that's his role these days. We're still trying to figure out Christian Kirk. You know, he's trying to find his way in this offense with the absence of De- uh, 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 Kenyon Drake. Now I think the majority running game is going to fall into Edmonds. And for me, he might be the wild card and he's like a spark. He's like that third down scat back that comes in and was complimentary to Kenyon Drake. Now he's going to have to carry the load, the majority of it. And I, you know, I was talking earlier this week, you know, to carry the load, that means you got to run between the tackles too. I'm not sure whether that's his forte. You know, he's not the dude you're going to get about 25 times to, uh, but he might that, you know, with, with Kenyon being out, that might be our only option because I, in my opinion, you have to come to these games with some type of running game. You, you know, get to this, to this uh, air raid when you want to throw it all over the field. To me, that's not successful. So if they're going to establish that run game, things are going to be through Edmonds, and then he'll help open everything up over the top with DeAndre and uh, Lyrefer Steel Rome in the middle of the field. But for me, like I said, if I had to pick the wild card, it would be Edmonds. Ed, I love how honest you are about the Cardinals. You sound like us a lot where you, you kind of, there's no bias there. Um, so I want to ask you about the defensive side of the ball. What, what, what do you think worries uh, Cardinal fans coming into this game against uh second start for Tua Tungle-Vailoa with um, uh, two running backs hurt? We're probably mm-hmm. leaning on Jordan Howard, uh, but with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Gusecki, uh, Jakeem Grant had a good game last week, special teams wise. Um, uh, what, what do you think uh, is an advantage for the Dolphins against the Cardinals defense and what is something that the the Cardinals defense is going to exploit against our offense if you guys watched any of us last year we might try to make every single tight end that came in here it was like we were trying to nominate them for pro bowl or all pro <laughs> status we're going to do our best to help them have the best week of their season now Zeki coming in here he could be the wild card for you guys if we you know the, the good thing is Buda Baker is playing like an animal right now. He's all over the field, defensive player of the year of the week of the a month last month. Uh, just all out, just flat out getting after it. We're still trying to figure out Isaiah Simmons. He's supposed to be that uh, Swiss Army knife. Uh, right now, man, we need to get that thing sharpened because he's not doing a whole lot out there on the field. But he could be that X factor in terms of trying to man the middle of the field and cover those tight ends. 
then obviously we have uh, Patrick Peterson out there and he's ready to take on all comers. This is kind of like a show me year for him after the last couple of kind of disappointing seasons. So I'm looking forward to that matchup on the matchup on the outside with Parker and some of your other wide receivers. Uh, this one, I also think the Cardinals are benefiting from seeing Tua on film. Right. The Rams, they were, it was like just straight, it's like a blind date for them. They had nothing to look at, see tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, it was a limited amount of you know snaps and responsibility for Tua. But I'm imagining the Cardinals are going to try to really get his mind racing with some different looks and not just showing him everything right out of the box. You know, maybe putting a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage, dudes bailing out, some zone dogs, all kind of things. Because sec- not just a Second start with no preseason, no nothing. I don't care what you say, man. This is he's it's gonna look ugly at times, but you guys are rest assured. You got a good quarterback under center. It's just gonna take some time. I think this is a week where the Cardinals get after him and try to confuse him as much as possible. And at times, like I said, it could look ugly. Yeah, I got to say, I think maybe in hindsight, the best thing that could have happened to Tua Tungabailoa against that Rams uh, defense was like the second drop back of the game. Aaron Donald introduced himself very rudely oh. to our quarterback. And you know what? He got up. He got up and said, all right, I'll, I'll take another one. And he almost did right away. Um, but that was one of those things where it's like, OK, he took the hit. The hip is fine. He's going to get back up and. I mean, look, the, the Miami Dolphins schedule after this game is really, really light, just on paper, at least. Mm-hmm. So it, it does look like one of those things where if, you know, we can survive the Cardinals on some level, then all of a sudden, Tua can feast against the Jets and the, and the Bengals and the, you know, those types of teams. Um, I only got a couple of questions here, and then I'm going to let Chris do his thing. But uh, I, I have to ask questions like that hard hitting commentary. You know, I'm going to keep the hard hitting journalism here to the end. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to go back to uh, just more more focused on you here for this question. Who was the better athlete in the family, you or your brother? Oh, my brother will tell you to this day, and he like I say he's just he's two years younger than me. He he wishes he wishes he was the athlete that his big brother was. He actually tried to follow in my footsteps and play baseball. He went to Notre Dame and talked Lou Holtz into letting him play baseball his first couple seasons. And at one point, Lou said to him, "Look, man, you got to realize where your bread and butter is, and you better come on over here and spend more time." And you know, I was a Good, ba- uh, good basketball player. I was almost I was like all state basketball as well. My brother wasn't quite there. Uh, you mentioned the bowling pin back there too. My, I gotta brag. I love bowling so much. I haven't done much of it lately with the back and knee issues and stuff like that. Best game ever was a two sixty seven. That three hundred has eluded me for a long time, but I had a two sixty seven with the first seven. I think it was seven frames, all strikes, and then my A frame man right in the pocket and I left the nine ten, I think it was but you know but my brother would tell you to this day he has no trouble admitting that big brother was the better of the two athletes he, he had nothing to you know to be sad about and then I'm not sure if you guys know my nephew Irv Smith Jr. is a tight end out of Alabama played with two he's up there in Minnesota doing his thing Oh yeah, he's on my fantasy team. I uh, I've, I've, had a, I've got in fact in our league, our Perfectville league, I think he's on my he's my tight end, or at least he's on the team. I got to say though, um, you might be the better athlete, and I would agree with you. But uh, if your brother was able to convince Lou Holtz to be quiet enough to convince him to play baseball for a couple of years, <laughs> he might be the better uh, the speaker of the family because uh, that's got to be a hell of an accomplishment just to get Lou Holtz to be quiet enough for him to be able to uh, say, "Hey, can I play baseball?" That's that's impressive all by itself. 
Yeah, Lou, you, Lou definitely loved to talk, man. I, I loved my opportunities to sit and chat with him. And, and uh, yeah, my brother has some great, great stories about Lou. And Ed, my uh, my dad was a bowler, so my dad actually has a very very proud of a, a 300 ring. Oh. He actually won in a tournament, in Satellite Beach, Florida. He won in a tournament. Uh, he won. He got a 300 ring. And I've asked him before. You know, is that he's obviously he, that's the most nervous he's ever been in his life. That third uh, in the tenth frame, where oh, and yeah. he, he put it in the pocket and he got a a little gift uh, of a pin bouncing back and hitting the nine and. Um, he wears that ring proudly. It's a pretty good, a cool accomplishment. So I love bragging on that. And we talk about bowling, I actually grew up like in a bowling alley in mm-hmm. Fort Myers, Florida. My dad worked uh, behind the scenes and my mom would bring me there for lunch and we just hang out. So I love bowling too. That's awesome. Tell your dad, he's got a fan in me, man. Like I said, at 300, his son's special. <laughs> well, this isn't cool. I mean, yeah, your son gets to say my dad was a professional baseball and football player <laughs> playing the Super Bowl. Chris's dad's got a 300 ring, and all I can talk about is how my dad uh, didn't cross the picket line during the strike in the 90s and beat <laughs> the crap out of all the scabs that did. That's not a <laughs> Well, hey, uh, we're going to we're gonna get ready to, to let Ed go because he's got he's got to go save the world, ladies and gentlemen. This he's is an Avenger. Favorite. He's a very busy man, but uh, <laughs> you can find Ed Smith at Ed Smith Speaks. Uh, you can also find him on the Believe Podcast Network talking about the Arizona Cardinals every single week. He's talking about the Arizona Cardinals with us as we play them. Uh, our beloved Miami Dolphins go to Arizona to play them. Um, last question for me here, Chris, unless you got something. Uh, yeah, Ed, just, I mean, I guess, uh, hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes, Sam. Ed, what do you think uh, the game's, how it's going to go? Man, you know, I, I think Cardinals going to get after him, uh, meaning Tua. Uh, like I said, it could be a little choppy. Uh, your defense will try to maintain. I'm looking for this game. Cardinals get out front early, force Tua and you guys to throw the ball a little more than you did last week. A little confusing here and there. Final score probably somewhere around 27-17 in that area. But no just, you know, no shame in it. Like I said, Tua, you guys are four and three right now. Uh, look you you and you guys look like a football team too. That's the thing that I'm sure you guys are very happy about. You look back at some of the previous years. We had a couple years ago, we had the one year head coach Wilkes out here and it did not look like football, man. There were days when we come in after a game and it was like, did you see that mess? Now you can say, look, boys look like they're out there playing and they are winning and heading in the right direction. So no shame in coming out here to Arizona and not walking with a W, but that's how I see it going. No, I look, that's a respectable score. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, discredit that or discount that score i my last question here has to do with uh, a guy who's not on either one of our teams any longer but do you think at some point during this game uh and, and tua and tyler are sitting there talking to each other and, uh, josh, and josh rosen's just watching tv going fuck both these guys i think if anything if he has something heavy in his hand he might throw it at his damn television well it's so, probably yeah. gonna hit the ground in front of the television <laughs> which will explain why he's not on the cardinals or the dolphins for, for josh man i tell you he you know, I'm not going to say he got a raw deal, but you, it's like you just can't catch a break, can you? <laughs> that's, a, that's bad timing, man. I mean, that's, that's yeah. good talent and, you know, a high draft pick and, you know, gets traded with some high draft capital and it's just bombarded. You get Kyler Murray and you get Tua Tunga Bailoa. What are you going to do? What, I, think what, what, I will say one last thing, though. He's, I think he's in Tampa on their practice squad. Yeah. Best thing that could have happened to him. First, you know, first round pick a few years ago. I'm not mad at his bank account. As long as he's taking his money and no shame, you know, you get a little something put in there every week. 
you know, a lot of people would like to be in his position. It's just that we all we all thought he'd be in a different position. That's all. I think he thought he would be in a different position. But quite frankly, like all kidding aside, I, I don't know that there's a better place for Josh Rosen right now, given everything that's happened, than yeah. you know, under the learning tree with Tom Brady. I mean, that that especially considering his bank account, like you said, um, that's a good spot for him to be in. Absolutely. Well, uh, Ed, thank you very much. This is it's just fascinating, fascinating Amazing. stuff. Uh, like I said, we'd, we'd love to have you on another time. We can talk a little bit more, you know, outside of baseball or in football and everything else going on. But uh, anytime. And I want to have you guys. I'm, I got your information on the email yeah. anytime. And I'd love to have you guys on our Saturday show uh, coming up on these weekends, man. Uh, we'd love great, to be Ed. Yeah, we'd love to be there. Well, Ed, thank you very much. We'll let you get back to the rest of the day. Like we said, you, uh, we know you got that 300 game. You're, you're, you're slacking on that 267. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get it one of these days. If, it, if I don't get it in, in real life, I'll get it on Wii or something like that. <laughs> that counts. That hey, counts. tweet us. Tweet us when you get it. We'll, 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 we'll promote it. I'll do that. <laughs> right. Appreciate you, fellas. Uh, thank you very All much. Right, Ed, thanks, okay. man. <laughs> Well, Chris, I said it during the interview, and I'll say it again. I've done nothing with my life. Special thanks to Ed Smith, who uh, had to leave because he had to go save a burning uh, a baby out of a burning fire and turn over an un- overturned car and everything else this guy is going to get done on a Thursday. Uh, wow, man. Just I hope everybody appreciated what we just heard from that guy. What an amazing story. Yeah, dude, uh, I like to tell people, I'm like, hey, I play college football. Cool. Ed Smith's like, I didn't, but I played NFL football and world league football and XFL football. Oh, and by the way, the reason I didn't play college football is because I got drafted in major, major league baseball and played for seven, eight years. That guy was fucking unbelievable. And I want him to motivationally speak like my birthday and like my funeral. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, and I love the fact that he's bummed that he, the best bowling game he ever had was like a two sixty. And I'm like, well, that's me after three games of bowling combined. Yeah. I mean, that's seven, amazing. seven straight strikes to start the game. Are you kidding me? I haven't done that with bumpers. And he's yeah. like, it was my best one, but I'm pretty disappointed. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> It'd be well, like me having an 830 credit score. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not an 850. Uh, wow, wow. Look at you dropping some FICO knowledge over there. I'm on a the banker. Side. That's what we do. Well, you know, Ed Smith is probably, he probably is a bank. I mean, that's uh, that's how good Ed Smith <laughs> is. But shout out to Ed Smith. You guys check him out. Check out his podcast. Uh, just an amazing guest. We're going to have him on again in the future. That guy was just uh, phenomenal. But that aside, he is still enemy, right? He, he is part of the Cardinals. Uh, organization and we are up against the Cardinals in this game here Chris this is one of the best teams in the NFL I know Ed said that they're still trying to figure everything out I disagree I think the Cardinals have figured it out and they figured out the formula to success and that's DeAndre Hopkins Kyler Murray fuck everybody else that is the key for the Arizona Cardinals and they've done it by beating teams like the the San Francisco 49ers granted we beat the 49ers but the 49ers are still like four and four they just happen to be in last place because they have just a balls to the walls division they beat the Seattle Seahawks we could not beat the Seattle Seahawks Kyler Murray is a legit quarterback DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the game bar none uh how do we beat the Arizona Cardinals Chris Collin um, we hope that Jared Goff gets traded to the Cardinals and plays quarterback <laughs> because we've had success this year against Jared Goff, Gardner Minshew, and Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Manis, or whatever the hell his name is. Guess who we lost to? Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. Guess what they do well? Run. They run with the fucking football. Uh, that's what Kyler Murray does. That's what I'm worried about. We don't have a Jason Taylor running around with the speed at DN that can sack and also run down a quarterback. Baker has been in position to be a QB spy and has been let down uh, egregiously. So 
this is a game I I know the defense is getting. I joked about it first segment. This defense is beginning a lot of national attention. I hate that. It scares me, Sam, because that's when we come out and they're like, "Hey guys, remember when we talked really good about the Dolphins' defense? Well, they didn't play Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Kyler Murray tortures them for 350 yards and 150 yards rushing. That's what might happen, and I'm worried about that. And I think we should be until they prove us wrong. Oh well, they're going to have to prove it before we uh, we 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 start touting them as being the best defense in the NFL, which they're on their way to being. But there is a difference here, Chris. Those other three quarterbacks that you talked about, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson, we didn't have Byron Jones then. Uh, he was out injured for most of those games. Well, we had him against Cam Newton, but that was that 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 whole game is an anomaly at this point. I mean, the, the Cam Newton can barely be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. That's how bad they've been since week one or after week one, I should say. Uh, we got he got injured early against the Buffalo Bills. And look, that game was a field goal. That's the difference between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins was a field goal. And they we had the lead late in the fourth quarter. And Josh Allen was able to march down the field. Why? Mainly because Byron Jones wasn't there. And then you have Russell Wilson, who, by the way, is the MVP of the league. So there's no harm. <laughs> or no foul and losing to him. Um, but since then, since we have a Byron Jones back, we've been much better. I mean, he is that much of a difference maker because it's not just Byron Jones. It's Xavier Howard. It's Eric Rowe. It's all these guys working together collectively. Kyler Murray is still a young quarterback, but he is a legit quarterback. He scares the hell out of me. I wish he was on our team. I mean, not saying I'd take him over Tua because I'm excited about Tua, but Kyler Murray is a guy you root for uh, from afar, and he's a guy that you know you don't want to face. Uh, week in and week out. I feel bad for the NFC West for the next 15 years because they're going to have to go up against him. But Kyler Murray is legit. Um, As you heard from Ed, they don't have a vertical passing game. It's much more of a horizontal passing game for the Arizona Cardinals, but they're really good about getting open. They get open and they turn and they have yards after the catch. They slip tackles. Miami Dolphins struggle with tackling. So this is the part that scares me. We're going to sell out. uh, Hopefully we're going to have to sell out on DeAndre Hopkins and make sure he doesn't beat us. The problem with that is they have a legit number two option in the passing game. And that's Kyler fucking Murray because he could just pull the pull the ball down and run. And that is our weakness. Like you said, Jerome Baker is like not a very good spy. He's walking around saying, hey, I'm a spy. You know, that's not good. Um we're going to have to figure out a way to keep Kyler Murray contained in the pocket. If we can keep Murray contained in the pocket, then we have a chance here. Then the defense can start to shine. The problem is how do you contain Kyler Murray in the pocket? Cause nobody's been able to really figure that out yet on a consistent basis. And that's the part that's concerning. I think in order to make this happen, Chris, we're going to have to see Tua Tungavailoa in his second start air it out. He's going to have to start completing passes. Preston Williams is going to have to catch a ball or two. Devontae Parker is going to have to catch more than just one ball a game. Mike Isicki is going to have to hold on to those tough balls down the road. I think we're going to have to see some offensive firepower in this game, and we're going to have to do it without much of a running game, which means we're going to be one-dimensional. This game, as much as everything else lined up for us against the Rams, seems to me like it's lining up against the Miami Dolphins right now. Yeah, if you look at it on paper, obviously um... – that's the case uh, right now. Our running game is not looking great with two guys out and possibly counting on Jordan Howard and um, Patrick Laird of all people. I mean, this might be one of those times where it's like, Hey, Tua, remember those training wheels we had on your bike last week? They're off. You're going downhill, throw it 40 times. Like it might, it might happen. They've done it with Burrow. They've done it with Herbert. This might be the time. And it, it's entirely possible. Cause this is one of those games where your defensive line is going to get a pass rush. And it's going to be within one to two seconds. And you're like, hell yeah, we got back there. And Kyler breaks through Yep. and he extends the play. And you're like, shit, Xavier Howard is good, but he can't cover a guy nine seconds. And it's just not his fault because the defensive line got there, but Kyler just got out. He slipped out. So that's where we have to, like you said, contain him in the pocket, make him throw the ball, force him to beat us with the pass. That's what you got to do. I would take my chances 
with him beating us, throwing the ball with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Eric Rode, Bobby McCain, then having him run against us on third and long, third and short, and he's just picking up first downs. You can see it. The writing's on the damn wall. We've seen this before, and it's going to be one of those cases where we cannot win this game. We're going to be beat handedly if we have less than a hundred yards passing, like we, it is going to, we're going to need a balanced game and the offense is going to absolutely have to step up. And that means rookie to a tongue of Iloa. Yeah. And you know, this is a game where you can't really rely on the defense to score again. You can't really rely on Jakeem Grant to get another touchdown on a punt return. You just can't. I mean, that those things don't happen every single week. I mean, if you're a good defense, you can be consistent in keeping the score down, which they've been. And I think that works to our advantage, but again, running quarterback, amazing wide receiver and Andre DeAndre Hopkins and a rookie quarterback with no running game and who knows what's going to happen on the offensive line in terms of shuffling around this week. Does Austin Jackson come back? Does Jesse Davis stay on the left-hand side with Robert Hunt on the right-hand side? Who knows? We don't know. What I'm thinking though, Chris, is that this game is going to have to be in order for the Miami Dolphins to win. They're going to have to have offensive firepower. And I think you're going to have to see it, this ball thrown to Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams. You're going to have to beat them vertically as that, as much as they are good as they are horizontally with Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and all those guys, we're going to have to beat them vertically. It's going to have to be a quick strike, big chunk yardage, and then pound it in the middle with Jordan Howard on third and ones, fourth and two, whatever it turns out to be, those types of game time situations. This is what I am excited about for Jordan Howard here, Chris. One of the things we couldn't do with Miles Gaskin is get it over the first down marker in the last game when it was third and one second and two we can do that with jordan howard so as long as we can get chunk yardage on first down and second down i actually feel pretty good with jordan howard being back there just getting those like you know Dion dyer you know type lusaka polite one yard gains that's fine that's when he can come in and do his thing do his legarrett blunt touchdown you know and nothing else sort of thing but if we're going to win this game and I'm not saying we will, but if we do win this game, I think it's going to have to come from Tua Tungavailoa's arms and Tua Tungavailoa's legs. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And here's the thing. A lot of people in uh, traditional football say you want to run the ball to set up the pass. It's going to be opposite in this game. I think we're going to have to pass the ball to set up the run. And we're going to have to come out throwing. I think that should be our script. Come out, throw, throw, throw. Now it's third and one, draw play. You got it because they're they're running a nickel or dime defense. That's what we're going to have to do here with Tua. And Chan Gailey has to have a good game plan here um, because last week there were some suspect moments where they're running wildcat plays and doing this. And you're just like, will you just fucking back off and like just let them play football and throw the ball, stop getting cute? We're, we got to let Tua take off the training wheels here and the swimmies and throw them in the deep end. And I, this is going to be the game to do it. You're traveling across the West Coast. Uh, it's a game everybody's going to have their eye on because it's it's exciting. It's interesting. You got Kyler Murray against Tua Tungvaluwa. Like this is this is cool as shit, and it's teams that don't play every four years. So it's really cool. It's really exciting. A guy I'm looking for to um, be the guy that stands out, and I'm surprised that Ed didn't mention it is is Christian Kirk. He he has played. Uh, well a lot at times and in that Dallas game he had it's just incredible catches um, to put them over the top and he is just a guy I really like coming out of college uh, he is a guy where you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins over here Larry in the middle and all of a sudden Christian Kirk's on Bobby McCain or Eric Rowe and he's just down the down the field there and if Kyler can just make a couple guys miss he's, he's going deep and he's in the end zone so we got to watch out for Christian Kirk I really hope I'm wrong but uh, I can see him ha- doing some damage well uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> 
What you say? He's got two has got to take the swimmies off, ladies and gentlemen. That's <laughs> that's our defense. official analysis here in the town of Perfectville. <laughs> and I agree with you. I'm not even making fun of the analysis. I think it's 100% correct. Two is going to have to grow up on national TV. Well, not on national TV, but he's going to have to grow up fast here this week uh, to beat the Arizona Cardinals. But again, even if we lose, Chris, the schedule sh- sets up nicely for two over the next yes. month. But we'll deal with that next week and the week and the week after that. Uh, final final decision here. Balls to the wall. Final score. Miami Dolphins. Arizona Cardinals. How do you see it happening? 24-21 Miami. You're picking the Miami I Dolphins. I am picking the Miami over. Dolphins. Listen, listen, listen. We should have beat Seattle. We were in the red zone five, five, one, two, three, four, fifth, fifth, five times, five field goals. Okay? Five field goals. Tua Tungvaloa is playing in that game with a game of experience. We probably score once or twice. Kyler Murray had to just bust his ass to barely beat the Seattle Seahawks, which is a phenomenal team with a bad defense. Okay? They beat. They barely beat the Dallas Cowboys, who is a team that just is absolutely giving up. Was giving up points left and right before Dak Prescott got hurt. Okay, so this Arizona Cardinals team is not lighting the world on fire. You heard it from Ed Smith earlier. There's inconsistencies there. Their defense, minus Patrick Peterson, who's like literally older than my dad, and um, Buda Baker, who I really liked, but he's like literally four feet tall. We get in there with Ogba with his hands up, with with um, Shaq Lawson coming off the corner, Christian Wilkins, and these guys, and Rashad Davis, uh, Rashad Davis coming in with their hands up. Kyler Murray might have issues throwing it down the field. And if he does, that's turnover city with Byron Jones, Xavier and Howard, Sam, 24, 21 Miami wins. Yeah, I do think you're right. And with the guards, if we can get Kyler Murray to throw the ball, there's going to be a lot of tip ball. There's going to be some, uh, you know, opportunities for some interceptions. Emmanuel Ogba, by the way, is a guy who I trashed really, really early this season. I think going into the Jacksonville game, he's done nothing but good things ever since then. So uh, the streak continues there. So I, I don't know. I don't see it playing out this way. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm about to be the most hated man in the town of Perfectville. I see us losing this game. I, there's too much oh. good momentum happening. You know, Chris, this is what happens. Every single time the Miami Dolphins finally get some good press, they finally start, you know, winning some games. We won three in a row. We haven't lost in what four or five weeks. Uh, we, we shit the bed, and everybody's looking at us to shit the bed. And you know what? We're going to shit the bed, and I think we're going to lose this game, twenty-seven to call it thirteen. Let's go twenty-seven thirteen. Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray says, "You know what? Screw you to a tongue of Iloa and what you did to us in the in the in the BCS playoffs." I think the Arizona Cardinals win this game. I think they're the best team in the NFC West, even better than the Seattle Seahawks. I think we have trouble wow. with running quarterbacks. We have trouble with people like DeAndre Hopkins. Tua Tungavailoa is young, man. He's young. We don't have a running back. We don't have a running back that we can actually put out there this week. I think it's going to be a tough game. We're on the road. Everything's lining up for us to lose this game. I think we lose this game. Prove me wrong, Miami. Well, good. So the streak continues of Sam shitting on uh, kind of halfway. He went from a player Right. They talk about like everybody look at me, eyes on me. He went from a player to the team. He's shitting on the team. I get it, Sam. I get you. I know what you're doing. Here we go, Miami. Yep. Sam just cursed the team. You guys are going to lose. You're going to shit the bed. You always do, Miami. Wink. (laughs) Get it, Sam. I like it. Miami's winning. I love it. All right. Well, I hope I'm right or wrong or however, whatever it is I'm doing in my head here. But, uh, you know, by the way, Chris, rocking the glasses again, I should point out everybody watching this on video right now, seeing the uh, the lovely glasses that I've come to know and love. Um, nothing else to say here, Chris. What an amazing show. Ed Smith, thank yes. you very much for being on the show. Chris, thank you very much for being a part of this show, as you are every single week, every single episode. And of course, the citizens of Perfectville, we wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you. Just kidding. We would do it anyway. But we appreciate you listening and watching as it is. Uh, Chris, anything else you got to say before we get out of here um i'm gonna win in the fantasy league this week 
Well, there you go. I won last week, and uh, I think I'm now second place in 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 my division of the most okayest fantasy league ever, which is amazing because I've lost every single week just about. But uh, that shows you how bad the division is. Uh, it's kind of like the, the NFC, NFC East. East. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're co-hosts, buddy. NFC right there. Fantasy, right. right there. Well, on behalf of Chris, on behalf of myself, on behalf of the entire Fanatics Network, nothing else to say but goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.